Hey, this is Sujin. And Aaron on the Growth Mapping Podcast, where we break down what really happens behind the scenes in the world of marketing. We're going to show you what works and what doesn't, and we'll be interviewing some of the biggest names in the online world. You'll learn the strategies, tactics, and tricks that really move the needle and drive massive results. Welcome back, guys. Today, we got a very exciting episode. We're going to talk about SEO for e-commerce and what you can do to optimize your e-commerce platforms. So, Aaron, take it away. What's your top? What's your, what's your first thing you need to do when, when you're looking at or thinking about optimizing uh, your site for, for SEO? It, it would be my first but not my top because there are too many things that you need to do. I think it's important that we're covering this topic as well because there, there are a lot of people that are jumping in the whole dropshipping, e-commerce sort of niche and trying to see some results. And while I highly recommend putting um, a lot of money behind Facebook ads when you're doing um, new e-commerce sites. There is a lot that you can do from an SEO perspective as well. However, you do have big challenges. A lot of the challenges when you're uh, trying to rank an e-commerce store is that there are often people with very, very similar products to you out there. You know, if there's there's manufacturers sending the same products out to multiple different e-commerce stores, there's a lot that you need to do to be able to beat these other guys that are all trying to, to rank in the same spots. Uh, so I guess one of my top things that, that I'd suggest doing is with, with e-commerce sites, it's not like uh, an, uh, a normal site where you just want to try and rank every page. Here you may have hundreds of different, hundreds of different products that you want to be found for, but some of these products may be going in and out of stock. Some of them you may just stop selling and, and move on from. And if you've spent time optimizing specifically for those products and you've built links direct to those product pages and all of a sudden that you're no longer stocking it and no longer proceeding with that, that product, you're going to lose a lot of the value and authority that you've built over time by having to 404 those pages or 301 redirect those pages. So the idea is focus on your category pages. Focus on optimizing your category pages uh, for your e-commerce site. So instead of you know, optimizing for men's red mountain bike, you're going to be optimizing for your category page, which is mountain bikes, and putting all your link acquisition at those category pages. Then what happens is when you are adding new products in under that category, what's happening is you've got good internal linking that means that that authority that's built up from those category pages is passed down to those product pages so they still have a really good chance of ranking for the period of time that you do stock them. Absolutely. It's super important because everything just kind of trickles down. And this is such a huge gap, I think, in in, uh, in most sites. They just don't do it. They're lazy. They're, there's a lot of excuses, what have you. And another thing I see just people not doing well is good old fashioned internal linking. Like they don't do great internal linking, like meaning whether it's a category down to the right products, popular products cross to different sections and categories up, down, left, right is kind of how I look at it. Yep. Get every angle and that's it. Like, I'm not going to say the specifics because you just have to have a, I, I kind of make it as a part of my e-commerce checklist of just like, is my top category pages or are my top category pages and product pages linking to other things, content, and my content linked to my blog, and, and vice versa. And it's kind of have as part of a checklist. Yeah. 
Uh, look, internal linking, the, the good thing is that if we're using the right platforms, which we'll get to in a second, a lot of that internal linking is taken care of now out of the box or off the shelf. But it's something you really do have to focus on um, to allow those category pages to then further pass authority through to, to product pages. And I guess I, I've been asked this question in a number of interviews in the past when it comes to optimizing e-commerce sites, but people ask, what is the number one mistake that I see? And it is hands down, without a doubt, the number one mistake is people using generic manufacturers' product descriptions on their their products. You've got to think about how many people are selling similar products to you or the same product on different stores. And people just to save time and because it's easy and they get handed a description, they just throw up that, that manufacturer's description. It is incredibly difficult to be able to rank a page when it's the same content as hundreds of other sites. It, it, it's as simple as that. If you... If you need that differentiating factor, spend time on your copy, your product descriptions, rewrite them yourself, make sure that they're, they're valuable, they talk about the uses for the products and not just describing the products. Do what you can to make it outstanding and different compared to what anyone else would be doing and you're going to see a, a massive uplift in click-throughs from the search engines, in traffic from search engines, and in actual conversions. You know, People don't want to read a boring product description. They want to be able to say, oh, wow, I was just convinced through copy to actually purchase that product. And that's where your conversions and sales get the uplift as well. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, we're talking about 100, 200 words here. It's not that hard, right? Um, you just have to do it. Yeah, I know people have hundreds, thousands, 10,000 products, but like, don't sell 10,000 products unless you can write 10,000 descriptions. It's that simple because when has volume of products ever mean, resulted in more sales? And uh, you know, just as you optimize product descriptions, I think there's a lot of ways you can use your customers, like getting user-generated content, meaning testimonials or reviews. Um, so I've done like when you can't get te- when I can't get reviews and people have left good feedback or like in the support. Uh, and, and support and kind of chat logs in live chat. I just take those and use this, use those as reviews and I put them in the product description. So don't feel like you have to always get reviews. Obviously encouraging reviews is great, but why not encourage people to send you pictures of the product, right? I know like Yelp does that with food. Uh, Amazon does that with, with when you purchase, but uh, we actually worked with a client recently that was in the motorbike uh, motorcycles but specifically ktms and what we did was what we recommended was actually the the, the ktm if you if you're in a ktm motorcycles or in just motorcycles in general you're generally an enthusiast well we took that to our, we leveraged that and we leveraged that to our advantage by anyone who purchased a product we said if you share this share this share you working on this the product in real life whatever or share what you're doing after you put the you modify you buy that part whatever and use the hashtag, you know, the company name, or we use different hashtags. And literally, we're able to get a lot of Instagram images of people using uh, or installing the part or just kind of doing something really funny with it or, 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 or mountain, you know, or, or dirt biking after the part's been installed. And we put those on the actual, uh, we embedded those Instagram images and Twitter, uh, people posted on Twitter as well onto the actual site. So now people are seeing real life use cases and you, know, you can't fake an Instagram. 
um, in bed. That just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear. Look, one of, one of the other challenges, I mean, if we take a step back and think, you know, if we're talking SEO here, how do you get a site, how do you get any site to rank? What, what is the number one factor in getting a site to rank? I have no Anyone? clue. No clue. <laughs> Crickets. What's the answer? Links. It is links. So the, the links, you need links. There's a good 50 to 60% of the overall algorithm. So the, the challenge with e-commerce stores is that how do you get links to product pages or category pages or any of those that you actually want to rank? And, and that is a challenge. You, know, you, you don't get big editorial publications um, linking to commercial intent pages. In, instead, what happens is they want to link to editorial content so as well as having to optimize the rest of the site, the smart move here is create good editorial content in the form of a blog on your website so that you are creating linkable assets. Those linkable assets mean that you can attract links. Those links mean that your overall domain authority improves and that's when you're going to see your category and product pages start moving up in the search engines and that's um, it's really key. You're going to have a real uphill battle ever trying to do link acquisition to commercial intent pages. Yeah, definitely. I mean, link building and good content that's not product or commercial is the essence of SEO in general, right? Like we, uh, when and ever, uh, you know, we work with a law firm recently and uh, they're local. When the hell would you ever link to a law firm? Yeah. No, you link to a law firm if they have a piece of content, maybe, right? Like, you can't get links to just your website, your homepage, your product pages. So focus on other stuff. Yeah. Speaking of uh, of kind of optimizing a little bit more for the obvious is is mobile, is audio. I know, and and Alexa and those types of things. We, we'll get into the the kind of optimizing for audio later. But let's talk about optimizing mobile. Mobile's been around for a long time. Google's already said they are prioritizing websites that are mobile friendly. So optimize your site speed, your load speed, optimize the UX. This is very, very important. So go take your product pages, take your category pages, take your top five pages on your site, top traffic driving pages, and look at them on a mobile device. Look at them on an iPhone, look at them on an Android, and not the latest one. Go back one generation. And what you'll see, what what you usually see is, the call to action button kind of is right below the fold. Well, freaking put the call to action button in a very prominent place. This is basic CRO stuff that you can do on a mobile device to make sure you get more clicks. And, and sometimes, and I had a, cl- uh, a friend of mine who optimized mobile call to actions, not for a sale. He, you know, They were selling something high price. I forgot. It was in the hundreds of dollars. I don't know about you, but I very rarely buy something on mobile for hundreds of dollars. So the call to action was predominantly email yourself or save this. And that saving, if they had an account, would log it and then it would actually send them an email reminder automatically or drip them with other things. But that ended up being more generating more sales because most people didn't really purchase online uh, with that specific product. Yeah. Look, in terms of um, in terms of optimizing further as well, one of the things that works really well um, on e-commerce stores is ensuring that you're doing uh, rich snippets and, and schema markup. 
and adding those things, there's different plugins for different platforms that you can use that allow you to enter that. And what it is is just additional data and additional information that you can provide uh, about your products, um, things like descriptions, sizes, prices, reviews and ratings, all of those sorts of things that you can actually add in there yourself. And what happens is when Google indexes that and you start showing up on, on Google, Google's going to be able to pull in things like your prices and product descriptions and show them on the front page of Google and show them under your listing. And the value there is that you're taking up more screen real estate on, on Google and therefore getting more eyeballs on your content and more click-throughs. Rich snippets uh, used to be a whole lot more complicated than they are right now. There's some really easy plugins that you can get to set that all up. So I highly recommend doing it. it work, they work on a wide range of different platforms. Yeah, great. And let's talk about platforms a bit. What are platforms you uh, you recommend using? There's there's probably two, I mean there's there's so many out there, but there's probably two that uh, I've played with and and love. Uh, the first one being Shopify, that is probably the most well known one. They they just have they're, they're a great brand, great website, and there's a, a lot of good stuff that you can do with their product. Um, easy to set up, cheap, easy to configure. And a lot of access from, from an SEO perspective to, to set up all the things that we've been discussing. So I like working with Shopify. The other one, which coincidentally has offices both where you are and where I am, Sujin, and that's big commerce. They, they are both in Austin and Sydney. And these guys are great as well. They're, they're doing a lot of big things and, and, and really becoming quite known in the industry. So I'm, I'm a fan of that platform as well and highly recommend it. Yeah, both. You can't go wrong with both. They have a big following, developer following apps, lots of customization theme templates and support where it makes it truly a, a good platform. Like I said, personally, I think like you choose what's what you want based off of what you have, meaning like go, if you have devs that can work on BigCommerce versus Shopify, go with the, what you are strongest at, go with the, go with BigCommerce and vice versa if it's, uh, if it's the other way around. But that will conclude this show, guys. Thank you for uh, listening. If you have any questions, email us, social medias, show up at my doorstep, whatever you need, get a hold of us. And we got a lot of cool episodes coming up on psychology, copywriting, virality, and a lot of our content marketing tools that we use for the day-to-day. Until next time, guys, take care. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions, reach out to us at hello at growthmappingpodcast.com as we would love to hear from you. We believe we've delivered value to you. If you agree, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It's the best way you can say thanks. So thank you, and we'll catch you next time.